since Pastor Steve said he wanted to revisit the exact same scripture last week, I thought you all remember it, and I read it to you in German. Just kidding. <laughs> Forgive my accent, please. So, today's scripture reading is from Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. In addition to your own Bible, you may find it on the back of your message notes. If you are able, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Thank you, Dorothy. You know, when I first talked to Dorothy about reading, she says, well, but I have an accent. I think, but that's, that's the beauty of hearing God's Word read, isn't it? Uh, we tend to think that the Bible was written in English, right? <laughs> and that all Christians speak English as their first language. But the truth is every tribe and every nation has the opportunity to uh, honor and to worship God. In fact, that text began with that idea. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every English-speaking family in heaven and on earth is... Oh, that's not how it went, is it? Yeah, and it's crazy. We can be so ethnocentric. Now, God gave us, of course, our ethnicity and our background. These are values that we that we share but uh, they don't become the primary thing we're all part of that human family that family that God has rescued by his grace he is our father and from him every family and on in heaven and on earth is named so the apostle paul is praying for the whole family of god and this is a beautiful uh, expression of his prayer now, uh, Richard just reminded me, I think I misspoke earlier, the breakfast for Easter is going to be in between our two services. So, got that? After the 7 o'clock, before the 9 o'clock, at about 8 o'clock. All right? All right, so don't get that wrong. Um, there will be plenty of food, and it will be kind of a packed house that day. Uh, this past week, it was my opportunity to spend some time in, in prayer for you, and it's always a, a rich and challenging experience for me, as I mentioned last Sunday morning, to spend time in 
prayer. And in this letter to the church there at Ephesus, which, as you know, is actually a circular letter, probably, which was written to a number of churches there in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, uh, that the one that we happen to have recorded for us in Scripture is the one that landed in the church that met there in the town of Ephesus. So it's really a general epistle, a general letter to the church in general about the church. And as I mentioned last, last week, this is a letter which is just filled and uh, bleeding with prayer, passionate prayer. And twice in the midst of this, um, uh, this letter, Paul takes time not only to say that he prays for them, but to tell him what he prays for them. And, uh, and this section right here in the middle, right in the middle of Ephesians is a bridge section where he takes all that he's said up until this point and it causes him to bow his knees before the Father in prayer, a prayer of thanksgiving, a prayer of gratitude, a prayer for God's people. Until then, he, in the next section, he begins to talk about the practical implications of this brand new family that God has created through Jesus Christ. A family which is born because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. When God saved individual human beings into his family and united them into a brand new family. A family where their relationship with God through Christ was more important to them. Literally more important to them than any other relationship that they had. In fact, there were people in that time who, when they made a commitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, were disowned by their very own families. Happens even still today. It was a costly commitment that God, God made. And Paul rejoiced that this was a family where, where God had brought together former enemies into his family. And we began to look at the importance of prayer. And now in this section, I want for us to look at the content of this prayer that the Apostle Paul prays uh, uh, for them. I'm so pleased to hear that a lot of you have taken me very seriously about praying the Lord's Prayer this past week. And I sent a devotional email to you already, and I've heard good reports about that. I'll do that each, each week here. And as I said, I had a great time praying for you and for your needs in my personal prayer. And let's continue to put prayer at the center of our personal and corporate life together. And it's interesting to me and, and uh, uh, moving to me, really, that the Apostle Paul didn't just say he prayed for them, but he told them how he prayed for them. And we see that basically, if you were to summarize his prayer, you would say, I pray that you would somehow get a fix on just how much you are loved by God. It's a prayer for the power of love. I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you, that's a plural you, grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner beings, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the, the breadth and the, and the length and the, and the height and the depth and, the, uh, uh, and the, to know the, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It was my privilege this past week 
to pray that prayer for you, that you would, as individuals, and that we would, as a community, get some kind of a hold or a, a fix on the incredible love that has been expressed to us in God and through Christ, and that we would come to experience that love, and that our lives would be rooted and grounded in that love so that we could experience all that God has for us so that we could be filled with joy in the fullness of God. All too often when we pray for one another and we pray for our needs, we think simply about our petition, when in fact biblical prayer is less about petition and more about praying for God to make himself known, the honoring of who Christ is and God is. It's less about getting stuff from God and more about orienting our lives toward God. As I said earlier this week, we keep our gaze on God, our glance at our needs. Most of us reverse that 100% or entirely opposite. The only time we talk about God is in the beginning and the end of our prayer. Dear Heavenly Father... And then we go into all of our lists of all the stuff we don't want and all the people we're worried about, all the concerns on our hearts. And then we close it by saying, in, in Jesus' name. Biblical prayer is very different from that. And here we see how the apostle prayed. He prayed several things for them. First of all, he prayed that they would be strengthened in love by God's indwelling spirit. That they would be strengthened in love by God's indwelling spirit. He says, and keep in mind, uh, 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 according to the riches of glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He prayed that they would be strengthened in God's love and that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith. This is a curious thing because if they're Christians, and they are, he's writing to a Christian audience, they already have Christ in their hearts, right? They've already responded in faith. But he's saying, I pray that you would be strengthened by the Spirit so that Christ would, that you would have power to have Christ dwell in your hearts by faith. In many ways, much of our Christian life is simply an outworking of the gospel which was planted in our hearts when we responded in faith. When you heard the gospel, if you were a follower of Jesus Christ, you discovered that you were more incredibly loved than you ever thought possible. That God's love was willing to reach out to you right in the midst of your broken, sinful condition. That God knew what you were like and he loved you just the same. And you responded in faith to that. Now you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You're his child. But if you're not careful, you will revert back into the judging, critical, cynical, never pleased God that we often think about. And he's saying, oh, I wish that you could see how deeply loved you are by God. You'd be strengthened so that the Holy Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. In fact, part of the whole point of your daily worship time is to open your eyes to the reality of Christ's presence in your life. They needed to make room for Christ in their hearts. And we do too. Let us make room. What happens is the cares and the troubles of our life just crowd in and crowd in. And they occupy all of our attention. 
and the Apostle Paul prays, I pray the Holy Spirit can, can, uh, can strengthen you so that you can see that Christ lives in your heart through faith, that Christ lives in your heart. He prayed that they would be strengthened in love by God's indwelling Spirit. And then he prayed, secondly, alongside of that, that they would be rooted and grounded in love rooted and grounded in love. Do you see that? So, that? so that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith, so that you being rooted and grounded in love. Think about the idea of being rooted and grounded. What is it that is rooted? It is a tree, a plant, a living thing. It is the, the part underneath the plant which gives to that plant all of its nourishment, all of its strength, all of its support. In fact, its very life is found in those roots. Cut the roots out, and the plant dies. And the roots need to go into deep and good soil. And we're meant to be rooted in, <coughs> rooted in God's love. And then the second phrase, grounded in God. Well, that's an that's a architectural building term. Uh, being, being built on a firm foundation. So that you will not sink. You will not wash away. You will not have trouble when the rains come. And as we've had here more recently, that our foundations go deep. He knows that if we want to grow to the point we, we need to grow in our lives, we've got to be deeply rooted in God's love. That's why when we gather on every Sunday morning, we try to take time to remember God's love expressed to us in the giving of his son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us. You see, love is to be the soil in which our lives are rooted. Love is to be the foundation on which our lives are built. You know, it, it's so hard. I mean, the concept is simple, but the application is difficult. You've got to Make sure that your roots are going deep into God's love. Because often what happens to us is we, get, we, we grow, we do our Christian uh, uh, disciplines in life out of, out of fear. Like somehow God's going to get mad at me. He's going to reject me. He's going to do something bad to me. And so I want to go to church. I want to give my money. I want to stop swearing. I want to do the right thing so that I can. And I, I'm trying to be, but I'm like a desert plant far away from the rains that just barely survives. It can be duty. It can be fear. It can be bargaining. No, the right soil, the right foundation for spiritual growth is a foundation of love. It's true for our lives, and those of you who are parents, you know it's actually true in parenting. So many parents default into blaming and shaming and how can you do that to me? You know, we say to our kids, forgetting that that is a very poor soil for our children's lives to grow. That our children grow in the context of unconditional love, overflowing, lavish love. That's not to say that there aren't limits, that there isn't discipline with our children, but it's always done in love, out of love, so that our children know how much they are loved. We know that's how they grow, and sometimes we forget that. And it's also true for us in our spiritual lives. 
We're so guilt-ridden, so shame-driven, so fear-controlled. Uh, we live, uh, you know, oh, it's happened. it's happened to me a lot. You know, I have so much want to do the right thing. I can, get, I can get paralyzed by my fear of doing the wrong thing. I've been that way my whole life. Can any of you, can any of you identify with that? Yeah. And, and I, I am, I've been uh, so uh, afraid sometimes of just messing things up for God, you know, as if he can't do it without me, you know. And I know I am so deeply loved by God. I remember many years ago when my older son was very young, six, seven, something, maybe less, I don't know, years old, and we were in the parking lot of, um, of the high school where we, where we lived, and for some reason, there was, it was late at night, no one was there, I'm not sure why we were there, but uh, so I said to him, Kyle, you want to drive? And, uh, and he said, okay, so I put him in my lap, you know. I put his hands on the wheel. He couldn't reach the pedals. And, but he could, if it was on my lap, he could see over enough to do it. And I, slow, I, I, I slowly kind of gave the gas to it and started to go. And panic became his emotion. Panic. Like, Daddy, Daddy. I said, don't worry, Kyle. I'm right here. I won't let anything bad happen. He... He, had, he couldn't enjoy the drive because he was so afraid of crashing. Now, I know you shouldn't let your son drive, but keep in mind, this was in the middle of the night. No one's around. And I remember thinking, I am so much like that with God. He puts me on the wheel. He sets me on his lap. He's the boss. He's sovereign. He's control. Why not just enjoy the ride? He'll take care of me. Why not approach my life from the sense of God's incredible love and grace extended to me? But no, I'm clenching the wheel. I'm worried about every little thing. I'm not relaxing in the midst of God's love. Yes, I was going to take care. I was pressing the brake. I was making sure the, the wheel didn't go too far off. I was totally in control of that, but he didn't know it, and he was afraid. You see, too many of us are rooted and grounded in fear rather than to be rooted and grounded. Deep roots in God's love, a firm foundation in God's love. We should be rooted. He prayed that they could be I mean, God, they had already responded to God's love, but they needed to be rooted in God's love, and that is the context in which they could grow. That's why it's so important for our worship gatherings and your private times alone with God to come and to explore God's love expressed to us so that we can, we can move forward, whatever it is, however it is we're driving along in the road, we can have confidence that God is with us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art holding me in your lap. <laughs> thy foot and thy hands, <laughs> they protect me. Surely, 
goodness and mercy will follow me down all the roads of my life. And I'll make it to where God wants me to go. Right? Now, you know, we still have responsibility, but it comes out of God's love. He prayed that they would be strengthened and loved by God's Spirit, that they'd be rooted and grounded in God's love, and even goes on, there's so much about this, and that they would be thirdly, that they would be grasped by God's ungraspable love, that they would be grasped or, or taken by or comprehend, understand God's non-understandable love, that they would know God's unknowable love. That somehow they could just get some kind of a glimpse of what God was doing and how much they were loved by God. I mean, I think about it. i got a couple of grandchildren. And they are so deeply loved by their parents and by their grandparents. But they just have no clue how much we love them. You know, you know what I'm saying? Your children don't know how much you love them. And I don't care how old your children are, you know? Because we, we, because we, they cannot see how deeply loved they are. And so look what he says here. I pray. Oh. Sorry, my spot, I lost my spot there. So that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend. That's the word grasp is one of the versions of that. To comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Think about that. I pray that you can see how wide it is, how long it is, how high it is, how deep it is, and know what really cannot be known, the love of Christ. How wide and how long and how high and how deep is Christ's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Here is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Yes. But God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Just a few verses about God's love. Let's ask ourselves a question. Well, how wide and how long and how high and how deep is that love? How wide is God's love? Well, it's wide enough to include me and to include you. It's wide enough to include the whole world. For God so loved the world. God loves the world. God loves sinners. God loves me. God's love is wide enough to, uh, to include me. In fact, that's really what uh, births Paul's passionate prayer. He did something that your preacher does once in a while, is he got a little bit sidetracked in his talk. You probably, so I'm in good company, because he says in verse 14, 
For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father. But if you were a careful reader, you would have noticed that he already said that 14 verses before. He said, for this reason, I, Paul, on behalf of you Gentiles, I assume you have heard of the grace which was given to me. (laughs) And then he talks about the mystery of the church, the mystery of the body of Christ, the mystery that Jews and Gentiles were brought together in Christ. And he says, I I just, I got to tell you about, and no, by the way, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father. And the first time he said it, for this reason in verse 1, he did it just after that incredible mystery that God had raised Jesus Christ and brought us together as a, as a new family built upon the foundation of the apostles and built into a dwelling place for God's Spirit. That's the end of chapter 2, um, where God has created this new multi-ethnic family, and he began to pray, and then he got sidetracked because he wasn't through thinking about this great family. And then now in the 14th verse, he finally gets back to it again for this reason. I bow my, my knees before the Father from whom every family on heaven and on earth is named. He is just captivated by the, the, the width of God's love that it included Gentiles, not if they became Jews, but simply because they would respond in faith to Jesus Christ. This was the breadth, the length, the width of God's love. It's wide enough to include you no matter who you are. No one is outside of God's love. Well, let's take a look at the the length of God's love. The length of God's love. How long is it? Well, I would say it's long enough to protect you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Yes, God's love is long enough to protect you. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil for God, the shepherd is with us. You see, God made sure that our sins would no longer define us. And how did he do that? He did it by doing what any parent would do for his children. He gave his life to save them. That's what he did for you, to protect you from the consequence of your sin. His justice demands that sin be punished, but his love desires for sinners to be forgiven. So God took our place of punishment so we could receive his forgiveness. How wide is God's love? Wide enough to include me. How long is it long enough to protect me? The reality is all of your sins are going to get paid for. You'll either pay for them, which would be a shame because they've already been paid for because Jesus gave his life. But you need to respond in faith to that. And then you can say, I should not perish but have eternal life. How deep is God's love? (laughs) It's deep enough to change me. Deep enough to go deep inside my heart, to plant it, its seed deep in my heart so that I, have, I can be rooted in his love. He's created a, a new creation, a new humanity. In Christ, we receive a new life, a, a, fresh, a fresh start, a new identity, a new family, a new hope. 
Oh, how deep is God's love? It's deep enough to change me from the inside out. How high is God's love? It's high enough to raise me. High enough to raise me. Ephesians 2 talked about us being raised up together with Christ. We've been given everlasting life, a new life. A new life now, brand new from the inside out. And in fact, you know, it's going to get a little testy in the next couple of months as we look at the implications of this good news because the Apostle Paul wants us to know that the gospel makes us altogether different people. We're not meant to be like everybody who doesn't know about God's love. We're meant to be brand new people because God's love wants to change me. If you love someone, you want to bring the best out of them. That's what love does, and God's love is high enough to change me. Yes, God's love includes me. It forgives me. It gives me new life. It gives me hope. And so I need to ask, well, what will I do with God's love? Well, first of all, that text I quoted, familiar, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him hath everlasting life. Yes, it shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. I need to believe in Jesus Christ. I need to trust in him. I need to repent before him and receive his costly, costly love. And then I become a part of his family. And then when I become a part of his family, I will spend the rest of my life enraptured and captured by that love. The love of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's why he closes that prayer by saying that you, that you would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. God is love, the Bible says. Let us reflect on God's love let us become mirrors of God's love to a broken world, but let us be receptors of God's love within our very hearts. Love is how we know God. Love is how we grow in God's love. Now, this past week, I've been reflecting on a beautiful old hymn uh, that has just kind of captured my attention when in the 17th century, it was written, My song is love unknown, my Savior's love to me. Love to the loveless shown, that they might lovely be. Oh, who am I? For my sake, my Lord should take frail flesh and die. I, I, I thought about that song written in 1664, and I thought, oh, my goodness, here's a man who sings about God's love, his love to me. And I love the phrase, love to the loveless shown that they might lovely be. Oh, who am I that for my sake my Lord should take frail flesh and die? He came from his blessed throne, salvation to bestow. 
of men made strange, and none the longed-for Christ would know. But, oh, my friend, my friend indeed, who at my need his life did spend. Here might I stay and sing no story so divine. Never was love, dear king, never was grief like thine. This is my friend in whose sweet praise I all my days would gladly spend. Yes, that guy got it. He never got tired of looking for God's love when God had befriended him. Yeah. If you've not responded to God's love, today would be a perfect day to do that. And if you have responded to God's love, continue to pray that God would open your heart to the reality, the gravity, the, the length and the height and the breadth and the depth, and to be filled with the love, to know that love which goes beyond knowledge, to be able to say, my song is love unknown, my Savior's love to me, love to the loveless shown that I, that they might lovely be. Oh, who am I? That for my sake, my Lord should take frail flesh and die. Came from his blessed throne, salvation to bestow. But men made strange and none the longed for Christ would know. But oh, my friend, my friend indeed, who at my need his life did spend. Stay in that place. Come to that place every morning. Ask God to shed away all the other things that have grasped hold of you. And instead, look at Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is set at the right hand of God. Consider him so that you do not grow weary or lose heart. That's our prayer while we close. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful for your love. It is beyond our comprehension, really, and yet we cannot stop gazing at it a bit like the Grand Canyon. It's just massive and it's beautiful. And every time you look at it, it shows something new. Thank you for the love expressed to us in Jesus Christ. May we be receivers of it, receptors of it, and mirrors of it to a world. And Lord, if there are any who are here today who have not responded initially to that love, May this be the moment when they say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. I respond to your love, and I ask that Christ would dwell in my heart through faith, that I could spend the rest of my life learning what it means to be loved by and in love with you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.